everyone. Welcome to the DeFi Scoop, your scoop for everything DeFi and more. I am here with the Gelato founders, the OGs, the masterminds, the architects of the Gelato gang, Hilmar and Lewis. Lewis, I don't know how to say your last name, so I'm not going to try. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? All good over here. All good. Yeah, very well. Zook has been treating as well. Zook has been uh, bringing out your best turtlenecks. I have to say that. I could never pull off the turtleneck, but you guys just like do it just so perfectly. And I wish I had that level of swag. So kudos to you guys. Have <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your ink out swag. I have my inked out. I have my inked out like in real life swag. That's like, that's truly a one of one NFT that uh, unique to me. <laughs> I'd like to start this off with saying, um, what's your favorite flavor of gelato Ooh, <laughs> i can actually start off so it's a mix between uh, uh two flavors and they're like there's a special variant like so what i did when i was young is i actually went to my favorite gelato store which is by the way called il gelato <laughs> and, uh, and when i was young i literally i had this phase where i took my bicycle i drove there and i got eight scoops of ice cream eight, eight scoops literally eight that's scoops. a lot and i did it for like a whole summer <laughs> because when you were younger you did a lot of sports right you could eat as much ice cream as you want yeah i was gonna say i hope you didn't like get a little too chubby <laughs> from that i was doing a lot of sports and it was basically lemon chocolate chili lemon chocolate cherry it had like some spice and some sweet to it that sounds really exotic and it was basically chocolate and lemon but yeah that's that's my favorite if you mix these two chocolate and lemon you get like a lemony chocolate that's my favorite and then you had a little spice to it that sounds absolutely delicious yeah. maybe you could have been a gelato chef in another life <laughs> one day i remember when i was younger i would spend my time down the shore in long beach island which is a place on the jersey shore and I lived right next to an ice cream shop called Skipper Dipper, and I ate there every day, but I did get fat. I did gain like 20, 30 pounds. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh God, I should really lose weight. But anyways, Lewis, what about you? What's your favorite flavor of gelato? So I think uh, a really well done pistachio ice cream is something special. And then if you want to go fancy, uh, you should try Tonka bean ice cream. They usually only have it at like fancy places, but that's also like a really nice taste of its own. Wait, what's Tonka bean? Some fancy bean. It tastes really well. Apparently it's an aphrodisiac. So do with it what you want to do with that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if I'm ever at a fancy place with a date, I'll be sure to look for some Tonka bean. Um, yeah. So, um, how did you guys meet before, like the gelato, before the ice cream, before the bots? What were Hilmar and Lewis doing, like before, and like how did you guys like meet? We actually spent like a good chunk of our li uh, lives together already before that. We went to school in England, uh, so we met in 2010 in, in school in England. Obviously, we're both from Germany, but we went to school in England at least for the last years of high school. Then we we just were vibing in London. We studied there. I went to King's College. Uh, Hilma went to CAS, uh, uh, London City University. Yeah, so then we went to Berlin, and that's kind of like where we started, you know, to work in startups. Uh, we were like e-commerce startups. Really got to know the tech scene in Berlin. Uh, then did a master's there. Uh, and during our master's, we, we basically discovered uh, blockchain. Like there was a guy from MasterCard in our course who was always preaching about it in 2016. That was the era of uh, blockchain or Bitcoin, I guess. He was like from MasterCard and super hyped about it. And uh, I think he dragged us into it. I would say we've been doing blockchain things together for quite a long time. Definitely since 2017. Before Gelato, we had like a consultancy uh, and kind of like uh, tech 
shop in Berlin to build private blockchain implementations for very big clients in Europe. Really going to that blockchain, not Bitcoin, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he converted you to that. Yeah, to be honest, that was during the day, that was during office hours. Like privately, we were already way like deep into public blockchain stuff, like mostly Ethereum. In Berlin, the scene was quite vibrant, right? So yeah. we went to all all of these meetups like we were we were into some weird stuff back then like Lisk uh, aped into that some other, other stuff yeah, yeah we also uh, I think hosted a couple of like meetups ourselves um, back in the day one of the earlier kind of like crypto meetups I think it was when was 2016 no, 17 17 and did some I guess meetups there where we had interesting founders from the Berlin uh, crypto space speaking yeah we just like uh, went really completely with everything we had into it so went to on a day like in the afternoon went to meetups or at night and during the day just researched did our master thesis about these different topics basically and And yeah, so and what was your master's thesis about? I think mine was the impact of initial coin offerings on uh, venture, the venture capital industry. And yours? I wrote mine on uh, proof of stake and uh, the differences of scaling uh, in the roadmaps of Ethereum and Lisk. <laughs> you really yeah. like that Lisk. Yeah, back then. I mean, to be honest, like I was reading a lot of papers on the Ethereum GitHub, like on Casper back then. And uh, Lisk was just like the blockchain project in Berlin where, you know, we actually met the founders and so on. And so, so they are like, I had private talks with them about the roadmap and so on. So that's how I really got into that, I guess. Cool, cool. So what was the Berlin scene like in like 2017, 2018 at like the hype of the last bull run? And then how was it when it just was like, just like slowly, painfully just going down? Because I remember when it was slowly, painfully going down because no one really knew that it was over in January or February, like December, January. And it was just like a slow bleed. And there would be sometimes like spikes and stuff. I remember EOS had like one last run in June and stuff before their launch, but it was basically a slow bleed down. What was that like going from like, oh, like all this hype, excitement, blockchain, list, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, boom, just like a slow bleed. So we have been following the space and got in, so invested most of our time in 2017, starting like before the like super uh, high bull run of in summer. It already started slowly there, I would say. And then over the period of like June 2017 to December 2017, um, you already had like this one bust, right? And then it like slowly came up again. And then it went really crazy like December and January, right? Yeah, it was like... Like a few days, I just went like absolutely yeah. just stupid. And I, I think you had more and more events and you always saw like the same people at these events. And then I spoke to some of them and they're like, I'm literally just here for the free beer and the pizza. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here? And then like for us, I think that the peak of the bull market was this Lisp event. Yeah, yeah, it, was, crazy. it was like one, one Lisp <laughs> event. It's not like we did a lot of big events that were basically, they, their whole team was based in Berlin. So they were throwing a, a bunch of stuff there. So they, they had this huge, event like an apple type keynote like a big building like free drinks for everyone where they basically said they will do this big announcement um, and, and they kind of like did it like a rebrand or something it was a huge marketing event mm. basically for a rebrand of their of one of the products or something which so it wasn't like it was like a launch of a new protocol it's going to disrupt any everything it was just like a, like a marketing event which was so blown out of what it should be if you would just compare it to like normal tech startups right that we were like okay this thing uh, is going really hot and then i think at the same time bitcoin hit 10k and then went on to go like 20k at the end of december like beginning of, of, of january we were aware that it's going completely overheated i think but if you're 
that deep down into it, I think it's always also hard to kind of like, you don't know when it stops, right? So, it's a game um, of musical chairs, and if you don't find your seat, you're going to be left out in the cold. Yeah, and then I think what, what was the major learning I had is that when it went completely crazy, and then it busted, right? And then it like went down, how long it would actually take this process of this bear market that then started, how long this process was, because it was... I thought, okay, it will happen like a couple of months. And then we're just like on a kickstart again. But it was literally, how long did it take? Like two years? It took like, it was a slow bleed to like 4K into 2019. And then I remember yeah. it jumped up to 6K and everybody's like, ah, it's over. But like, it was a slow, like kind of climb back up. It was a long and cold bear. So, I mean, gelato itself was definitely forged in the midst of the bear market. So, I mean, we can- cold in the darkness. Yes. The gelato uh, was molded in darkness. <laughs> and uh, before we were already really into tech, actually really funnily, to be honest, the first technical videos about like Ethereum were done by, I, w I would say, Yvonne on tech, who is now or has been only doing like price related talks. Uh, but very early on, he actually did like a very software development focused channel with like some early videos. And that was pretty cool. So that was already early 2017. But uh, even like during the bull market of 2017, we were mostly focusing on tech, I would say. As soon as the prices were down, there was nothing else to focus on other than tech right what i found crazy is like how the space got disseminated like how many people left the space how yeah. much noise based it was really reduced to like only the true like believers the in and for the tech yeah surely in I, and for the tech i'm not sure if it will ever be like that if there is another bear market um if, if it will ever be like that that it's like such a small group of people remaining i think this time we've dragged on more people that are like here to stay and uh, back then definitely it really re reduced itself to the like, core people it was basically for some people for the, the spaces dead right like they thought it was a, was a fed gelato we started in 2019 uh, with a grant from noses and the grant was desperately needed like we basically lived of it and uh, we got like a free access to full node co-working space in berlin which i highly highly recommend to, to any startup that's looking for like not even funding yet but just a place to to get some freebies and to get off the ground uh, full node and uh, backed by noses was it was like a huge help for us and like a great environment to start a startup and not so sure how it is with corona now but back then obviously that wasn't an issue so that's where gelato Lato uh, started in, in, in the darkness of 2019, but in the beautiful fall northern Berlin. Yeah. How did you come up with the initial idea for Gelato? It was basically just out of a project we were building uh, for Gnosis back then. So we started going to hackathons, to Ethereum hackathons in uh, 2018. I went to, for example, East Singapore back then, uh, where, I did, where I did like an application on top of Kaiba, like the first uh, AMM that was hosted on IPFS or something back then. And then we just like went to a bunch of different hackathons. Uh, ETH Paris uh, for some month afterwards just hacked on cool ideas and back then like the lending markets started to slowly come up right there was Compound that started like Mechado obviously and then Compound that started being really seeing some traction and Arbor back then was, was still ETHLAND and had this peer-to-peer -peer model which didn't really blow off and then you had Dharma entering there were this peer-to-peer -peer lending protocol first as well before they pivoted right we were very much into lending protocols back then and uh, I remember I researched a lot MakerDAO I went to some community calls and stuff yeah we had this uh, idea about this lending protocol that lives on top of a Dutch auction protocol that Gnosis was building at the time where you can basically bridge the time it takes for the auction to finish by borrowing the funds from a lending protocol as 
So your price that you kind of like want to enter in the reverse Dutch auction scheme already was met. And so you can like get access to it. Like you could do like huge market orders by kind of like borrowing funds from a lending protocol. So huge, a bit like flash loans, but not quite. Flash loans before flash loans. Yeah, so, so, so not quite, but like going to a similar direction, but kind of like mixed with this auction protocol. Then we actually looked for, okay, we wanted to, rather than kind of like just experiment in like a, in a lab, we actually wanted to build like a real life project with another team, get kind of like a, a real project going with like deadlines and milestones and stuff to kind of like push ourselves. And uh, that's why then we, there were these grant programs and then we saw that Gnosis is doing this grant program where you can pitch them ideas and they offer you some funding and help to steer through. It's basically where we kind of like spec out the whole thing. We did like a small demo for them where we uh, hacked together a small smart contract and stuff to showcase how it might look like. And then we pitched it to them. And funnily enough, it's probably better that way. They said, yeah, this idea that you guys have is super interesting and I think it's cool, but I think it's way too advanced for that sort of project that we had in mind. Uh, that we have actually some other ideas around this auction protocol that, that we would like to see built. Even though they, they said no to the project that we pitched, they basically said, hey, uh, I think you guys would still be cool to do a slight, like something slightly different to, to what you proposed, which was basically to automate trades on top of their distress exchange. So basically like our first automation use case that we that we uh, were kind of like tasked to, to build for Gnosis. And this is kind of like where Gelato started. So we, we just... We were tasked to do like a dollar cost averaging strategies on top of one of their decentralized exchanges that they built back in the day. And that's where we kind of like entered the space. Okay, how do you automate smart contracts? What is necessary to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah, this was kind of like the beginning out of which then Gelato, the idea emerged because we realized, hey, it's super hard to actually do that in a reliable and decentralized fashion. And yeah, out of this, Gelato came. What would you say your dev experience was back then? You were just, you basically were learning to build while you were like in these projects, right? Basically, we learned while doing Solidity. So we, in 2018, I think only in 2018, we started programming, really. Then basically what I did, I just went to all of the hackathons I could and just sit down and try to build stuff. And uh, yeah, we were doing like um, a similar online courses uh, online where we could kind of like help each other. And then, but we were like teaching ourselves separately. I went to like a coding bootcamp as well for two months or so to speed up the process uh, sometime in 2018, which was awesome. And then we just derived kind of like the spec that we want to build. And then we had to just dive in and teach ourselves solidity, everything, the whole spec while doing this project, basically. Through that, it took a lot of time because we really had to teach us everything from scratch. But uh, at some point, you... I guess you could say we, we are like true Ethereum or crypto natives in the sense that we like solidity was the first language that we used and applied to like a real world project. Obviously, we like, had experience in different programming languages before, but very limited, I would say. The first real applications we built were, were purely in Solidity. That's where we followed the first software development practices like unit testing and all of that. In that sense, like our programming journey really started with Ethereum and Solidity. And I think that gives you a really funny perspective because yeah, for us, that was like the baseline to start with. Whereas for other good programmers that enter the space, they like have to rethink uh, the frameworks that they learned in, I don't know, Java or whatnot. Yeah. For us, it's very often, I think, from a Solidity perspective, from an EVM perspective, and try to apply what I know there to like other way older frameworks. Are there a lot of people like that now? Have you met other people that are Solidity native or is it really a unique thing now? I feel like there must be more now. Yeah, I mean, even in the Gelato team, I'm pretty sure like for a lot of the devs like Brandon, right? Like the, the younglings, the uh, they're probably, they started out with Solidity uh, yeah. as well. I think there's a, new, a whole new wave of younger guys entering the space 
in teaching yourself how to program just because of the power that kind of like smart contracts and stuff give you. Yeah. So I think we are probably one of the, the first batches of these native web three developers, but I think there there are more and more people entering the space that are yeah. quite like us. Yeah. yeah, so you were building so you started Gelato, you got the initial idea in twenty nineteen, you got this grant you were building. So how did it become kind of like this hot project that you were just hacking together? So you guys raised your seed round, right? Like, how did that happen? First of all, what's really interesting about Gelato is that we had the original vision, which is still the vision today, to basically be this decentralized network of automation and of bots that any like truly decentralized protocol can integrate and fall back on for core functionality. That was the vision from the very start. Like we, we kind of thought this already like before we even coded like much at all. Like I would say May 2019, June 2019, way before even our first talks and so on. That was the vision. If you actually go on YouTube, you will find a talk from us from DevCon 2019 on YouTube where we already pitched this vision. So I think this original idea that is now kind of replicated and copied by many other good projects that we had very early on. Like we didn't stumble upon it on it as we were building. We had this and then we were just building towards it all of the time. It took us quite some time, I would say, first and foremost, because back when we started, the tooling was uh, not where it is today. Like Solidity development was way harder than that is today. There was no builder, there was no hardhead. You did have Truffle and so on, but to be honest, they sucked. And even like Ethers.js, at least we didn't start with that. So, so everything was really hard, I would say, like dev tooling sucked. And then this being our first major software project, definitely had some learning curve to walk up on. And it was just the two of us completely underfunded in a bear market, right? Like we also didn't dare thinking that like investors would give us a big chunk of money then because it was like, you know, ETH was trading at, I don't know, $80 or something, right? That's the kind of sentiment that we started. And and I think what's truly interesting is that we kept on going very long with this. I guess we, we had our first hackathon prizes, like we won a prize from Chainlink in 2019 in August at ETH Berlin 2, then at Kaiba that kind of gave, gave us validation that the applications we were building on top of Gelato had real use cases and people liked them. Then we had our alpha in, two, in December, uh, January uh, of 2020. There are already some really cool people like really shielded like for example DeFi dad discovered us and he really liked it so that was having like limit orders basically on Kaiba we had limit orders on Uniswap back then that was early 2020 Andre Cronje discovered us then and shielded a bit and we also did stuff with BZX before they got hacked so that that's like you know we were going slowly but like always forward and then and everything changed in summer like DeFi summer basically that's when kind of you know investor interest started picking up again and then I guess uh, Peter here from Meta Cartel was like kind of a mentor to us he really like pushed us in the right direction, say, telling us, guys, you're building a cool product. It's time to raise some funds to really grow it. And that's when we raised our seed round. Shortly afterwards, in 2020, we hired our first uh, full-time employee, Mathieu, who is a smart contract wizard. And then, you know, Yaya joined us on the DevOps side. And we slowly hired really good people. Like, you joined us right in February. <laughs> 2021 and now we're here you, you know what it is it, it, it's like it's almost 20 people it's about to be over 20 people like every week on yeah. our calls it's like literally somebody else joining it's like oh yeah it's, just, <laughs> it's funny to see Tim call get bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> And that's just the core team, right? And, and what I think is truly interesting is that like this vision we had early on, while we've executed many things greatly on it and we added some new things to it, but in general, like the core like thread, the vision that we have is still the same. We're still work, working towards the same goal. I think that's quite rare with a startup. That usually, is really yeah. rare. It's usually, it's like pretty amazing. You guys had the foresight to see that, you know, automation was going to be a thing because back in 2019, there was nothing to be automated. Like, in 2017, 2018, the only real use case for Ethereum was ICOs, was for raising money, which was a pretty good use case, but it was the only thing. It wasn't really until 2020 uh, when you saw like 
these DeFi applications just kind of rise. Then I was like, oh, wait, like limit orders, DCA, those were like the first, like most basic automation use cases. And, you know, they're really part of the foundation of what Gelato offers today. I think what really helped with us was as we were also learning technology, like Web2 technology back then, we approached every question with like a blank sheet and an open mind. And sometimes I was learning about different servers in Web2, right? And I was thinking, hmm, how does this work in Solidity, right? How does a set interval, which is like a, you know, basically a cron drop in, in JavaScript, how can it work in Solidity? Ah, oh, wait, it can't. Okay, so hmm, why can it not? That's annoying. And that's kind of like how we, I think, really early on discovered, wait a second, like uh, we can build like a whole operating system, if you will, to support these kind of programmatic functionality for Web3 applications were non-existent. Cool. So I guess when you're developing Gelato throughout the years, how do you approach problems? Automation is like really tricky, honestly. Like it's really hard to get right. And like I see you guys get it right and ship really fast. So like, how do you guys do it, <laughs> basically? Like, how do you guys approach problems? That kind of changed along the way, uh, I would say. We, as Louis said, we had this, when we started Gelato, we, we started to creating and forming this vision of this very generalistic, centralized automation protocol that everyone can just like plug into and create any sort of cron drops or tasks that then repeatedly get executed or once or basically conditional conditionally get executed. We basically sat down for like a month or so and formed this one protocol that fits like every use case basically. Spend like weeks and months implementing it, then auditing it, and then shipping it into production in summer 2020. Only kind of like to, to realize that it's so generalistic that it's very like complex and like and hard to implement for other projects because they have to do this whole protocol that we build and have to learn it and have to know also the caveats to it and stuff. And so we actually started to think about okay, completely general protocol to, to automate any everything. And then we realized okay, the tooling and stuff is not ready yet around it to actually make it much, much easier for developers to integrate it. And so we actually transitioned back to, to thinking, okay, what are the kind of like most widely used use cases out there in DeFi, especially because DeFi is basically where both most of the usages that we could solve and that we could basically help automate their use cases. And then we identified kind of like three key areas which were trading. You only could do like market orders on Uniswap or AMs, right? And we said, okay, how, what do you need to do? Limit orders, stop loss orders, dollar cost averaging, for example, right? Then we had debt, debt management and lending and borrowing, which was, okay, how can you uh, refinance interest rates? How can you protect yourself from liquidations and stuff like that? And then we had uh, liquidity management. How can you automate liquidity management uh, around uh, AMMs, for example? Or uh, you had this one idea about ejecting liquidity positions at certain prices, right? These sort of things. And then we kind of like zoomed in a, a bit more and, and said, okay, what do these kind of like more specific use cases kind of like require, right? And then we went more focused on these. And then out of all of these problems and use cases, we try to derive heuristics and basically processes that would then cover also more use cases, but would be a bit more tailored to that mm -hmm. and start to make this protocol that we had, which was a super complex on-chain smart contract protocol, significantly kind of like lighter and less restrictive, push a lot of the complexity kind of like to the backend, to the server side and allow you to kind of like be a bit more focused around these use cases so that we could isolate the different problems much more focused and due to that could ship much faster. So the, the whole goal was, okay, how can we make it so we can ship these products and help other developers build these products in the fastest way possible because the, the problem Gelato solves at the end of the day is time. So we save time for other development mm -hmm. teams. If they use Gelato, they can just save weeks up to months. 
sometimes in development time. Uh, how could we optimize for saving time? And we built from the super complex geologic protocol to more like a lightweight protocol and some key components on top of it, which then solve more specific problems. And so we were able to isolate problems much more specifically. And this way, I think we did a huge leap in 2021, whereas in 2020, we were still a bit slower. Obviously, we had like a big team then. Yeah. And so we moved faster. Anyways, but we were able to ship more faster because we, were, we had less opinions and assumptions. And yeah. I think actually it's not only the team because we already picked up a lot of speed when we were still a small team. Actually, when you joined, right, we were, yeah. we were five people, six people. I were eight so, people, yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's still a small team. And I think like technological decisions are like extremely important here. And no matter how big you are, like sometimes choosing the right tech saves you so much more time than getting 10 more people, right? Like yeah. For sure. So I think in general, if any smart contract developers are listening there, any like founders that are building their own smart contract based projects, what we've really learned. And I think we were blind to this in the beginning because Solidity was our first love of a programming language. So we tried to write everything in Solidity. The Plus, in the back, It's like the, yeah. the most fun and most beautiful of all. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was really like, you know, it is a fun programming language, I think, because, you know, as a programmer, you have so much power. Literally, you write some lines of code and they send money around the world, right? That's crazy. <laughs> Super cool. And also in the bear market, Contract deployments were incredibly cheap, so we didn't notice. But as Ethereum prices were rising and network congested, we, we noticed how, how much overhead it is to have a big chunk of your application logic be in Solidity. So very like at the end of 2020, we kind of established this mantra, like try to have as little Solidity code as possible. Solidity is still amazing and so on, but only use it for like the mission critical things that have to be stored and verified on the Ethereum chain. Everything else, and believe me, whatever you're building, probably there's still a lot of functions in there that you don't need in Solidity. Try to implement those on the server side using really good technology like TypeScript, Python, Go, whatever you want to use, because these technologies are way faster than Solidity. They allow you to debug much faster. You can easily redeploy them if there's an error. Shift all of that to other technologies and only use Solidity and Ethereum for really the mission critical pieces that have to be on there. I think this was kind of like the decision that sped us up incredibly. Yeah, it sounds like the evolution of Gelato was from this like idea and this idea like, oh, like let's have it like this general, super like decentralized, like everything on chain protocol and let's do everything on chain. But that requires a whole ecosystem of tooling. And as like a non-dev person, I didn't realize the importance of tooling until I joined Gelato. And I'm just like, wait, there's all these different kind of pillars that make Solidity run. And like with Gelato, that just wasn't there. So in order for you guys to build, like you had to become basically more practical over time. Well, and like executing, like you said, the most important mission critical parts of a transaction on chain. That makes a lot of sense. I remember like when I joined Gelato, when I found Gelato, actually it's funny, like it was probably like a year ago today that I just like just left everything and moved to Brazil. And I was just like literally vibing in Brazil for like eight months. I, I was like, I'm just going to quit everything. I'm just going to chill. And then like a month into it, I was just bored. And I'm just like, you know what? I should like get back into crypto because I like realized like this is what I love. This is what I want to do. And I remember I was just like looking for jobs. And I, I found Gelato in January when I was at like a cafe in Brazil. I'm just like, whoa, this sounds like really cool and really important. Like, I didn't know we had like job like Probably like the first job and we posted probably. Yeah. <laughs> it was on cryptocurrencyjobs.co. Um, I was applying for like, I was looking for jobs. And first of all, I loved like the logo and I loved the name and just kind of like, out of like all the jobs I looked at, it definitely like stuck out the most to me. And it definitely was just like, I want to join this. And so like, I hit you guys up. I remember like the first interview I had with you, Hilmar, was in Brazil. I had to like go to a cafe 
And you're like, wait, you're in a cafe right now? Like, isn't it COVID? But I'm like, yeah, it's Brazil, but they don't really care. <laughs> they don't, it was just like, things were just like open. Like people were still wearing masks, but still open. But I remember I had to like leave Brazil really quick. You were still going through applicants, I guess, like over the week or two weeks. And I had my second interview and I'm just like, I'm like, yes, I got it. And I was like, I knew I, I got it when I was doing the interview and you offered me the job. And I remember like the first call that we had, like when I like officially got it, you're explaining all gelato to me. I'm just like, uh, cause like I'm not, I'm wasn't technical at all. Like I like, I like might've like tried like solidity like here and there, but it probably like took me like four months to get used to gelato. Cause like, I guess that was like my mission as like the growth leaders. Like how can I be able to explain this to both normal people and also like be able to work with developers to uh, integrate it and seeing like when I, I think it's actually really hard to understand uh, even for technical users sometimes I think very simply put you can explain it to people by simply quoting what's possible to do with it right like yeah. gelato you can use it for limit orders you can use it to automate this and that but then there's still the question okay but why do I need gelato for it that's the hard technical question where you have to go really deep and at the end of the day we are a very technical product yeah. um, most of our like direct customers are developers or like project team leads themselves who integrate a very technical solution and even they sometimes obviously we, our goal is to make it easier and easier as we go but I think yeah you did a great job and understanding more and more of it but there's a learning curve here for everybody yeah. including right? like we, we had this vision but it took us a long time also to understand what kind of architectural components uh, the solution would be composed of and, and we're still not 100% there there's still like a lot of things that that are like question marks of maybe some new tools that we will use to to make the product even better for developers yeah I remember when the v2 came out that was a huge leap forward for a gelato I think that came out in like March I just yeah. note the shipping got like 10 times faster for projects yeah. and like for integrations and stuff because before I was just yeah. like kind of just like waiting around just like all right I just think of things to be automated and whatnot and I'm still like learning about gelato so how it worked and then like when the v2 came out it was oh okay just slowly trickle of customers and now it's just like an avalanche of like people and projects wanting to integrate us i think like the ideas of what we are like what have been realized in the past weeks they have been around for quite some time already it's not like they happen overnight but we always try to dumb down what gelato is to kind of like pure essence right yeah and i think at the beginning of of this year we really were able to identify like the core problems the individual isolated problems that we actually needed to solve right then we kind of like treated them in a more modular way and that way it just uh, allowed us to kind of like focus and build gelato as this on-chain protocol as like this bare bones thing that does core a few number of core things very well and then we have the infrastructure the backend component to it right and then ui right and then all these pieces are more modular and it allows us to also split up the team into more effective units right we have all the backend team we have our front end team we've got our smart contract team right from a technical perspective and this just allows us to ship much faster and now we're here and i think we've got like customers launching every week right yeah, yeah. and i think the craziest part about Gelato is we have all these applications built on top of Gelato. I like to describe Gelato as general purpose automation. I basically steal Vitalik's pitch because he describes Ethereum as general purpose computation. Anything that can be, any program that can be mathematically created on Ethereum will be created. Same thing with Gelato. It's like anything that can be automated and will be. And with you guys, it's like how it evolves, putting the right modular stuff, adding it along in the future. That gives you guys like a lot of design freedom, depending on the needs of your customers to, okay, which use cases we want to implement and stuff. It's very easy to say, like you said earlier, Lewis, it's, it's best to describe Gelato by its use cases. So you have limit orders, you have, you know, liquidity management, now Uniswap v2, 
management. And then you have, you know, right, we just released Gelato Ops, which is like the general purpose tool for general purpose automation. And I think what's cool about Gelato Ops is like people like me can use it if like I'm like on a farm and I just want to like auto compound it and don't want to like realize the gains. I can just like hook that up and just like continually just farm what I want. There's this, there's this one guy on Polygon, I think he created 17 tasks himself, which is literally there's this loot fork on, on Polygon apparently. And this <laughs> It's like has 17 different tasks where he's just like, I don't know, I don't even know what he's doing there. He's, I think, claiming some NFTs or, and like 17 different tasks running that for different addresses claim stuff there. And, and he's not a developer as well. And this is also, we are still very early here, right? And the way the, the best practice was solidity, you have to be like an expert, you have to write things with gas in mind. And these functions have to do, like one function has to do everything in one and you want to batch them together to save gas costs and stuff, right? And the use cases are super restrictive to like high value transfers. So we have to remember that we are at the very, very beginning of this new computing paradigm, which is Web3. Now we sponsored the hackathon, the, the Web3 Gem hackathon of ETH Global, right? And, and most of the developers there, they build stuff on like Avalanche or like Polygon, for example. And what is interesting there is because like computation is now much cheaper than it was when we started and the most of the use cases that were on Ethereum, right? What is happening is also what I realized is that the way these developers are thinking about writing the application also changes rather than kind of like putting everything in like one function and batching it together they actually follow more like traditional programming patterns where they just like okay one function does one thing and then this function executes and then after this function executes you want to have another function that executes like as a pipeline but only if this is kind of like done right and then maybe after a certain condition is met. And there, there were so many smaller use cases where they actually used Gelato for that other developers previously didn't use Gelato for because it's just for them, they don't have to be super precise when it comes to computation of power and how much gas they consume and stuff because it's just like a fraction of a cent they add to the equation. So yeah. I think the new wave of application on these new blockchains where they don't have to worry too much about gas anymore will leapfrog the use case you can build with Gelato. And then, of course, all the new ideas that are not DeFi specific with gaming NFTs coming in now as well, which are now feasible because we're not talking about $1,000 per transaction in terms of costs, right? It's just like opening up a huge array of use cases that we actually never thought about ourselves. We came from all from like the financial application point of view, but now they're like, others coming in trickling in with like nfts or gaming or whatever mm -hmm. and i think this could be like the new wave and i'm super excited to see okay what will these guys build on top right i, yeah. I don't even know what is your favorite gelato use case and why for me the funniest still is avogotchi avogotchi <laughs> yeah, I always show it. Uh, it's just also cool because Brandon, a guy who joined our team as well, kind of built it when he was 19. And he was one of the first people who really uh, like found Gelato on the internet. And even used like our old protocol, which was extremely hard to use as a developer and still just went with it and got like really into it without us back then being very famous or something, right? That and given that the use case is quite uh, useful and that many people use it uh, is, is probably for me one of the coolest ones out there. And to be honest, from like a, a usefulness point of view, limit orders, even though they're becoming commoditized now, I think it's still so great because I always want to trade on decentralized exchanges. I don't like using 
decentralized exchanges, just a basic order type like a limit order is such a missing piece of decentralized exchanges. So I think this is also really cool and we see a lot of usage here. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Hilmar? Yeah, so of course the Avogotchi, the Avogotchi padding one uh, is exciting. It's hard to, hard to pinpoint a single one. I, I'm actually more, so what I'm really, really looking forward to is, is not the, the use case that has been built right now, but that is about to be built soon, right? Yeah. And what is next? And and given that we are kind of like at the moment entering this multi-chain universe, right, where you have like all these different blockchains and Gelato already like supporting. And I see it these days as an add-on that you put into like a EVM-based protocol mm-hmm. and like got automation, right? So Gelato launches on your network. Now all the devs suddenly have easy automation on their fingertips, right? What will just be exciting and we already see applications like Pool Together or Ava or whatnot uh, being deployed on all these different networks, right? As instances and now suddenly they don't have have like one backend anymore so to say they have like five backends five different states different amounts of money and fees being earned on all these different networks and i think there we will see the next huge use case for gelato just being this underlying infrastructure that kind of like is the foundation of all these networks and kind of like lies underneath them and then enables you to automate transactions between them and move money from one place to another via bridges like Connex, for example. What I just find amazing here is what is kind of like a use case that I would need right now or like us as a team is just basically automated liquidity management of your token across all these networks where you basically just like have one contract we have this concept of GUni, right? Which is an automated liquidity management on Uniswap V3 on mainnet. But imagine you just have this one token where you, as a DAO, deposit some ETH and some gel in. And then this just moves across all the different networks automatically based on where, how big the TVL is and how the fees are, where the demand is. And kind of like just has certain conditions preset and just like moves completely autonomously between these networks. And I think these sort of things we will be discovering and seeing realized in 2022, which I'm super excited about. This will make the whole space itself much more efficient, right? Because then it just moves really to where the demand is in terms of liquidity and everything. And and it will be much more complex. I think I'm super excited what other use cases will be in a similar area. But I think liquidity management, such a huge problem and implication that it will be just fascinating to see. Uh, to go off that point, I think my personal favorite use case is the G-Uni, for sure. First of all, I love the name. Just very memeable. So, um, second of all, I'm just like a huge like Uniswap V3 nerd, to be honest. Like, I didn't realize how powerful concentrated liquidity was until just like looking into it more and just like reading about it more, talking more with Ari about it. It's amazing how powerful it is, and but with that power, like how much you can get right, but also how much you can get wrong. Like, we read like the other week that, you know, more than half of Uniswap V3 liquidity providers, they're losing money. And I think with the kind of like how Gelato like went about it after like some like a lot of iteration and talking about it, it's just like, hey, let's just have like the most conservative kind of like passive strategy as possible with uh, kind of like the brick by brick solution, just like fixed ranges along a given pair. I actually started just doing that for the gel ETH pair. I actually like did not suffer in permanent loss of anything like that I pulled out right now. I would have like in sell, I would make money. So like it turns out that just like being conservative and passive while like you have all these DGENs trying to like get like too tight a range, like that's like really the way to go. And so I'm really excited with like, you know, with GUNI, everyone we're talking to. And like, I really see that it's in the best position to become like the standard for like people that want to provide liquidity to swap V3, but just like don't want to deal with like managing the ranges and, and whatnot, because it's just, it's really complicated. And the way they built Uniswap V3 was just 
for applications like GU needs to be built on top of it. That's probably the one I'm like most excited for. And also like what you're saying about bridges and whatnot, like trying to manage liquidity across bridges. Liquidity is fractured as it is. It's like there's liquidity on chain and now with every new chain, it just splits up. So being able to guarantee that you can like move a large amount of liquidity at a decent rate and making sure that there's even liquidity there is just going to be such a vital issue. And also like talking to other protocols, like when we were all in like Lisbon, when we were in Paris, uh, the thing I got a lot is like a lot of cross-chain messaging to be a lot of people are excited about when we do come up with that use case. So like, let's say like there's a governance vote on Ethereum, you can like vote for it on Polygon, stuff like that. Like I was saying earlier, like the design space for Gelato is really infinite. It's just not a matter of can you build, like, can you build this? It's like, oh, when are we going to build it? That's what it really comes down to. I guess um, outside of Gelato, like what other projects and like what other things happening in like DeFi, it doesn't even have to be DeFi, but just in Web3 that excite you. Probably I'm speaking for the both of us here, but uh, as you know, we work really hard and we, we don't have much time outside of Gelato. So there's definitely like 20 or 30 projects on my kind of bucket list of things I wanted to read up on on the weekend, which I never get to apparently. I'm personally like some of the DeFi 2.0 ideas I heard sounded really cool. Like Ohm, obviously, I know you've been chilling Ohm very early on. You were like an early Ohm. I was in July. <laughs> I'm like, guys, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I hope you kept that back so yeah i think that sounds really really cool um all of those DeFi 2.0 uh, use cases and then to be honest i'm really curious about these gaming use cases i, I really want to check out zed run i know that i watched some horse races in our team retreat right <laughs> normandy that was fun Ari, Ari is really into that so yeah i think that sounds really interesting like gaming in general i, I would really want to check out what's going on there i, I know way too little like uh, i would rather know much more about what's being built in gaming right now what things i would say and and then to be honest like Probably the most pressing and interesting use case for me to research is just like hot protocol, connects, all these, any swap, you know, all these bridging protocols. And that's extremely important tech. I use it every day. I think the most application I use like is, is simply just bridges because I'm going between Avalanche, BC, Polygon, Arbitrum, Phantom every day, <laughs> multiple times. I want to know what's, what's going on there. What about you, Helmar? For me right now, I think... Um Bridges and these middleware pieces, basically, that connect all the different networks. I think they are, for me, uh, and this is exactly where Gelato also is, right? I think that's super interesting. Of course, there's one side, which is the liquidity side. Okay, how can you move assets back and forth, right? And then there's on more like the messaging side. Okay, how do you um, move or react and move data and, and messages and uh, execute transactions with certain information on these networks, right? Where we are more focused on, and not more not on these liquidity one, where like GUni or like other protocols are more um, focused on. And so I think the bridges are the new banks, right? Bridges uh, are the new banks. I came up um, with that. I mean, uh, you took, I think I said that to you, and then you just kind of <laughs> took it. But like I'm proud. Of, like proliferate that meme. Take credit for it. Yeah, yeah. very well be the case. And I think I'm very bullish. Very bullish on these. I'm also curious how this will play out, right? So yeah. at the moment we have fragmentation of networks. There's a huge incentive for projects to not build on top of new on, on like networks, but can like build their own ones. I think there's a new EVM-based compatible chain which claims to be the fastest one coming out uh, every day. It seems these days, right? And everyone knows this is not going to last, right? So yeah. there. I, I don't think that we will see um, 20, 30 different networks be there in the long run. No. I'm pretty sure it, it will kind of consolidate. How it consolidates it will be interesting to see. But at the moment, these solutions which bridge assets and bridge messages between them, I think are super interesting. In the yeah. Long Speaking about 
banks being bridges. I think I said earlier, but what I said earlier is like, if you have these bridges that are banks, they could like in theory issue like, I, no, I said this at dinner in a, when we were having dinner in Portugal, like in theory, they could, if you send USDC, send it to like a bridge, they can in theory issue FUSDC on a different chain. In theory, I guess they could fractionalize it if they want to, but like keep it in account. They can, they can run they can run fractional they can basically do what banks do right so yeah. they they IOUs and at some point if they're big enough they don't have to keep their positions 100% collateralized they can fractionalize them and they can lend out more than they have yeah. right uh, earn the spread uh, only if the bank run appears and everyone wants to withdraw at the same time then they will get into trouble but if you have like millions of dollars and these networks are live and running well then I think that won't happen so I, that that will happen right so it's I mean like it's with like Things that with like any fractional reserve, like it's really about trust that builds up over time. When I was at Everpedia, they started Frax, and which was like actually, it's actually a working fractional reserve algorithmic stablecoin. And, you know, they've been live for like almost a year now and they still haven't broken their peg. I've seen like, like in terms of like exciting protocols and exciting things that I've seen, there's this one protocol called Bean. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. Instead of being backed by collateral, it's backed by credit. And to be honest, I don't like understand it completely, but I just, I didn't ape, but like I put in like, like a little bit, like you're earning like 2000% APY. If you like put your bean, which is the stable coin in a silo and like you get these, I really don't understand it. It's like pretty like mathematical and big, it's like, but like one thing I've learned is that whatever you say, uh, people should ape into no investment advice, by the way. Yeah, no, they actually just reached like 50 million like in a market cap recently. And I'm just, and I've been keeping track of keeping tabs on them for a bit. And I'm just like, you know what? I'll just like, cause it was pretty toppy before. So like, honestly, I sold a bit and I'm just like, you know what? I just throw some in the beanstalk, see where it goes. <laughs> and um, another thing I'm like, there's a lot of things I'm excited about that I've like been looking into. There's this thing called a silo finance. Have you guys heard of silo finance? They're like super new. They're basically like a DeFi 2.0 lending primitive. So you know how on Compound and Aave, um, it's pooled money markets. And like, basically if like one or like, if like one coin has like a token has an Oracle attack or this, it's like everybody suffers. I think it's called globalized. Globalized, globalized. What silo does, which I find fascinating is it literally puts every asset in a silo. Like, let's say if you like have Uniswap and you want to borrow balancer, it basically has ETH in the middle as glue. So you like, you lend Uniswap to borrow ETH and then the, you basically like lend the ETH to borrow balancer. Let's say if there's like an Oracle attack on Uniswap for whatever reason, like only like the Uniswap pool is affected. And so like the rest of the pools they're fine. They're cool. And so it's really, what's like, what this, what could happen with this basically is you could have a lot more, you can easily onboard a lot of long tail assets in the same way that you could like finally have liquidity for a lot of long tail assets with Uniswap. It's like the same, same thing, but with silo. And then also it's like a lot safer for like bigger assets to be on there. And like, if like you're like an institutional player, like something like silo, if it like ends up working out, it sounds a lot more attractive than like a, your standard, like money market. So I find that one like absolutely fascinating. If you're still listening to this podcast this late, this is like the most alpha East alpha you can get. They're having their like token sale pretty soon. I think in like December 6th. Yeah. But I did the same. Uh, so I talked to the guy from beta finance once. Yeah. I think beta is spun out or something like or got funded by alpha finance so 
Yeah, I think he had a, <laughs> Alpha beta. Like, yeah. he had a similar approach to what you described. If I'm not mistaken, doesn't Rari also do So Rari things? does, so they have isolated lending pools. So it's like they have like different, they have different pools. So like if like one pool is affected that like the rest of the pools aren't. What's cool about that is like you get like stuff like you get like customized lending pools, like Olympus pool party. Like you, if you're like Tetranode and like you just like want to create a pool to like lend out your assets and let DGENs be DGENs, you have like Tetranode's locker. I was just like sitting in there with my SO and it was just like absurd. I'm just like. Is this real? <laughs> is this actually happening? Yeah, honestly, like outside of DeFi, like the thing I'm most excited about is DAOs. I feel like DAOs are more of a cultural technology than like like a technical technology. It's really about the culture, you know, like kind of like what values the DAO ha like instills in its group members and what, you know, values the group members bring to the DAO. And you get like a lot of really interesting groups kind of emerge. It feels like everyone's a lot more egalitarian than like hierarchical. I see it as like DAOs could be a new way of just organizing people and organizing efforts. Like, like you can have a DAO spin, spun up for like a specific cause, like Constitution DAO. You can have like a DAO, it like kind of like appears and then it's like it, if it accomplishes it or like it doesn't accomplish it, it can just like kind of disintegrate. Or you can have like DAOs for more like longer term goals or more like, I remember hearing Bology like give a podcast and Tim Ferriss, he was like, what if you, there's somebody made like a pothole DAO and like the DAO was just dedicated to filling potholes in a city <laughs> and like I can just imagine like the pothole DAO like having its like yield farms maybe it's like has like you know as some like an SOM stack maybe it's like doing some farming maybe it's auto compounding with gelato and then it's using the funds to just like cover potholes in the city and what you kind of get with that is like it kind of the DAO grows legitimacy in the city and like hey like what if we do like another public service like what if we shovel all the driveways for free like you kind of get this effect where like this parallel system just kind of rises and i feel like DAOs are the best way to organize these parallel systems that arise in like web3 i think somehow what what is emerging are like single issue DAOs. i think initially we had like a lot of like DAOs that tried to do many accomplish many, many different things at once. What, what seems to be really powerful now are these single issue DAOs because you get like some really quick feedback and everybody can align like behind the same vision. You have probably less disputes because there's less topics to argue about. You have like one goal, right? Like buying the constitution or filling potholes. So I think we will see a lot more of those actually as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm super bullish on those as well because this is basically just accelerating experimentation and with it innovation, right? Because it doesn't matter how stupid the idea is, like I want to buy the constitution, which is like itself kind of like a, a crazy idea, right? But you can try it, right? And, and you can if there are any, any other DGENs out there who want to do the same, right? And the costs of doing it are nearly zero, right? Yeah. So you can just like use it out, you can create a Twitter, you can do like a medium post explaining what you want to do, you can spin up a Discord and then you, and you try, right? What, are, what, are, what does the opportunity cost you? You lose a day, maybe like some transaction fees on Ethereum, right? So that's basically the cost of initiating this, right? And of course you need to create some hype, etc. But, but then you can definitely try out everything and 99% of these things will not work, but this is awesome because like the 1% the that will work and will not have been tried before that if you couldn't just like create this community and, and basically what it does it commoditizes building companies right because what is a company a company for me is just people coming together and and pool resources and work on one objective collectively with those pooled resources and one of the, the building blocks to, next to like labor for example is capital right and this it was never as easy as it is now to pool capital from all over the world on the internet with like one click and now you've got like five million dollars and you can buy and you can do anything with that so and, that's, and to earn you that's like the crazy part like yeah. like you describe models you can li li it's or like a no-loss lottery <laughs> with two together like yeah. literally you can put capital in there 
and generate revenue with it like in an instance. It's crazy. I think the thing with DAOs is um, they make memes actionable. They make memes real. It's like, hey, let's buy the Constitution. Hey, let's buy SeaWorld. Like, I wonder what's going to come next. Like, I feel like we're really at the beginning of this. And I think we'll probably see like basketball clubs being bought soon. Yeah. Or, like, no, there's a DAO for that. Kraus House. And, yeah. <laughs> there's probably, there's probably, I'm in this Discord about Dune Dow. Dune Dow. Or Spice. Oh, you're in Dune Dow? Like, yeah, obviously, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Dave Dow. It's funny because I kept on seeing uh, David Hoffman at every conference I went to. And we were always joke, me and like other Davids that we meet, like, there's so many Davids in, in Web3 and crypto. Like, what if we just start Dave Dow? And then we actually did it in New York. It's like, all right, we're going to spin up Discord and start Dave Dow. And what's cool about first name DAOs, it's like people want to join crypto. It's, you know, like, oh, like, how do I start? And he was like, oh, what's your name? Matt. Oh, join Matt DAO. Like, oh, what's your name? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm quite alone with the Hilmar DAO. <laughs> <laughs> Hilmar DAO. I want to be over there. Honestly, I think you're the only Hilmar I know, to be honest. You're the first Hilmar I met. Have you met any yeah, other Hilmars? Yeah, I think Louis, Louis was actually one of my only friends who knew another Hilmar yeah. outside of me. <laughs> it's like you just attract Hilmars. Yeah. He's in Switzerland. He's also in Switzerland. And I think it's, you know, with Dow's like, we were saying earlier, like capital, especially right, capital is just like so abundant. It feels like every other day I'm hearing about a billion dollar fund that's being raised. And I'm just like, there's so much capital, but like, there's only like so, not only just like so many projects, but like so many projects, like people that know what they're doing, like Gelato. There's a reason why Gelato is where it is today. It's like, you guys were like forged in the bear market. You guys got, you stayed true to your, your vision. You knew what you were building. You iterated to fulfill that vision. And now that's where you are today. It's like, I wonder what's going to like come about currently in like, we're in a bowl, but like when the bear comes, like who's going to stick around and like, where's that money going to go? Cause like you can throw, like, it's kind of like when they were like a hundred year over a hundred years ago, when they were trying to like, who's going to be the first person to fly? Like how is going to be the first person to make like a working airplane? And you had like huge companies, not even companies, probably like governments and like research facilities and universities investing like probably the equivalent of hundreds of millions of dollars trying to figure out how to fly and they couldn't do it. And it was literally just two guys in a garage in North Carolina that figured out how to fly. It wasn't the money that got them there. It was their own intellectual curiosity, their drive. And um, I feel like you're going to have kind of the same thing, like history repeats, you're going to have the same thing over and over again. And you're going to have it in crypto. It's kind of it happened with you guys as well. Like you guys just got like a grand from Gnosis at first. Like you didn't have a huge raise and even like your seed round wasn't that big i remember when you were raising for like this current round it was just like you guys were just the hottest girl in the room and you just had like you're picking like who do i want to build with and i think like the builders of the future are not going to ask like oh i need money it's more going to be like who do i want to build with and partner with and who's going to support me market sentiments can also change right yeah uh, but uh but yeah i think uh, it won't be like Capital is so abundant now in crypto these days. And the difference between the last bear market is I don't think the money is flowing back into fiat. It will stay in crypto. No more no fiat. Like my money isn't going to fiat. Not anytime soon. Yeah. Right. So, And I think neither will the other money go because what is waiting for you in fiat? Waiting for you in fiat is just negative interest rates and like uh, shitty banks. Um, and a ton of boomers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. But the only difference there is that you still have access to like traditional markets with fiat. So like real estate or, or stocks or bonds. Right. But I think this will more and more also shift into Web3 and will be enabled. And if that is enabled, then there's literally no single reason to put your money back into fiat. I don't see a single reason to do it. So, and then it's just a matter of time until all the money flows over. It's like gravity. It's like eventually like all capital 
will be in Web3 or I feel like it's going to be first slowly and all at once. It's kind of amazing that DeFi is only $260 billion in TVL. That's so, that's really minuscule. And like, if you think of the scale of the global financial system and like, what could be, you know, what the TVL could be, like tens of trillions of dollars. Uh, how much is TVL in, in DeFi right now? Uh, like, I think it's like 260 billion. For me, it's, uh, it feels like yesterday where we had this $1 billion TVL meme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wrap this up soon. I guess like one final question is just like, outside of Gelato, like what are you guys into? Like what music are you guys into? And also kind of like what inspired the aesthetic of Gelato? I think we actually got a lot of inspiration uh, from what you also listen to like Young Lean, right? Yeah. So we went to a lot of his concerts here in Europe. Uh, Young Lean, the whole Sad Boys Entertainment, Drain Gang, shout out Blade, shout out X2K, shout out, shout out Tyboy Digital, Free Tyboy. Uh, yeah, so, so some really like, you know, I, I would say corny or whatever. <laughs> rap music here in, in Europe or like cloud rap I guess yeah, I called. guess like in Europe it must have been like who are these guys like yeah yeah and they kicked off like this whole like 2013 they kicked off this whole like digital art kind of aesthetic right that is now really popular the like vaporwave yeah the vaporwave oh, literally that. this shirt it's like part yeah of, it's part of that so I think some inspiration is definitely drawn from that kind of like digital art style that is now really popular which I believe was heavily influenced by like the young lead movement early on what about you I, I, yeah I think that's also exactly our generation Dave right I think we are we are all kind of like the same age here yeah. um, like mid 1990s yeah we were we are this weird generation that was kind of like grown up that grew up before the internet kind of like went mainstream and we kind of like right when we hit puberty kind of like the internet really took off yeah. uh, and we didn't know the, the world before but then in the midst of it switching over uh, we were still like young enough to really like uh, utilize it fully so I think we are, we are kind of like unique uh, in that sense um, and I think that vibe we kind of like wanted to put into Gelato. I think Gelato is, is also like from the aesthetics I think we just want to have positive and emotionful vibes to the people that use us and interact with us we want them yeah. to be good like uh, bright soft colors that feel warm but chilled a bit psychedelic but like that you feel like comfortable i think that this is kind of like the vibe we want to portray with our service our community which is like hey we are taking care of you can be you can chill all whack me basically whack right me. basically, <laughs> basically whack, whack me yeah, sh shout out Faye, like absolutely incredible designer. Like I love her stickers. Like I use those stickers all the time. And like when I'm seeing the gifs on Twitter, just seeing all the artwork that comes out with our promotions, like it does invoke like a really happy feeling when you see like, you know, little Coney just like hopping around, like partnering with like the Ave ghost and whatnot. And I think we also want to kind of like show that machines and bots, like they have a lot of bad connotations in the internet, right? Like bots are usually associated with chatbots, scams, annoying stuff, yeah. right? What we want to portray is that bots can be used for the good. Every human can have a bot, access to a bot to act on their behalf and act in their best interest. That's kind of like, I think, what we also want to uh, portray here, um, that the future is bright and that even machines, as they will join us more and more and as they will uh, transact and compete with us, uh, they will also uh, help us if applied correctly. And that's what we're here to build, basically. Yeah, for sure. It's the difference between like, American culture, or I guess maybe like Western culture, I'm not sure if this is the case in Europe, and like Japanese culture when it comes to like robots, is that Amer in like American media or like American movies, like the robot's like the villain or like the evil guy, like the Terminator or like the Matrix. 
Well, in Japan, like, the bot is, like, the hero and, like, the savior and, like, whatnot. And you can kind of see that in how, like, the technology is kind of viewed and how it's kind of built. Like, I'm just seeing, like, in Japan, like, you have these, like, friendly little happy robots and whatnot. And like, in America, it's the opposite. So, like, being able to change the narrative about robots is, like, very important because, like, they're not going away anytime soon, whether they're, like, in real life or, like, in, like, smart contracts and whatnot. It's just, like, a matter of, like, what kind of, like how we want to view them and like how we want them to be. And like going back to what Hilmar said, it's like, it's really interesting being in like in the generation, like mid nineties, like remembering like the time I really consider the cutoff being like when you got your first smartphone or your iPhone, it's like the time before iPhones was just like, it was like such a different world because you didn't have the entire world at your fingertips. And, but with like the iPhone, it's like, you literally have like everything right there. And I was like thinking about it. It's like, you guys ever hear of like allegory of the cave, you know, the, you know, the Socrates, like allegory. Did you guys take philosophy in college or no? Uh, maybe if you talk about it, we, have you ever seen the meme of like people like holding up like shadow figures, like in a cave and like people are like looking at the wall with like of the shadows. Then there's like a, somebody like climbing out of the wall and it's like to the sunlight and stuff and whatnot. Sometimes I think like, like looking at the iPhone is like, I'm just like looking at like the shadows of like people. And it's just like, they're like the, they're, whether it's like on Twitter or like on Instagram, just like kind of, there's like their online personas that they just like want us to see. And like, but if you go out and like actually like meet them in real life, it's like a cold, completely different thing. And the thing is like before the iPhone, before like social media, like that didn't exist. Like, you know, that instant feedback loop on Twitter just like didn't exist or like Instagram being like everyone's personal magazine didn't exist. And like, if you can really see it, like change people, like how, you know, people like older than us are just like, just a lot different than people younger than us. I wonder like how, if we like, when we go into like web three, like how are we going to like make those like feedback loops? Like, are we going to make them like more, are we going to just like fine tune them to the algorithm and just like all of us be stressed? Or are we going to like actually like, you know, fine tune them to quality and value? But I don't know. I was just like kind of thinking about that the other day. It was just yeah. like a long winded rant. <laughs> Yeah, I think we need another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we definitely do. I have like a flight at one thirty. It's like about to be ten thirty now, so I should probably I should probably run to that. But yeah, some beautiful note to finish on. I mean, you can go go really deep here. I think we should have a Joe Rogan style podcast in person whenever we we meet again in uh, person. I'm definitely down for like round two. Yeah. You know, definitely be at like a probably definitely be at like a conference or something like. Youth Barcelona or something. We, should, we need to have like round two for sure. Anyways, thanks guys. Um, it's been an awesome podcast. Like finally the gelato founders on the DeFi scoop. It's about damn time. If you're listening to this, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a good review. I'm gonna keep making these things. So like, let me know who you want on next. Thanks guys. Thanks a lot for having us, Dave. Yeah, it's a pleasure.